applause to Pastor Andre from Johannesburg, South Africa. Good morning. Are you glad to be here this morning? Look at your neighbor and say to them, I'm glad I came today. What an opportunity you have to build a church on an amazing piece of land. Your future is looking amazing. And you know, when I was praying this morning, Proverbs 4 and verse 18 says this, The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, growing ever brighter until full light of day. This church is just beginning to gleam. Your best days are still ahead. I'm very privileged and honored to be here today, and I thank God for the opportunity. Thank you to Pastor Eben and his wife, Sara, and to Che for welcoming us, Lisa, Samantha, and for being so hospitable. I just love spending time with your, we say pastor, pastor. Uh, you'll have to get used to my accent. People say pastor is what you eat in an Italian restaurant, but your, your, your pastor, spending time with him, he's a humble, strong, genuine, generous Funny. He's got a lot of gifts. I like him. And I think you should give God thanks for him this morning. Amen. And he's got impeccable taste in motor vehicles. Well, you can take your seats. And I bring you greetings from South Africa this morning. And... Uh, I want to just show you my family. I um, am traveling with one of my assistants, uh, who is a pastor on one of my campuses. Pastor Dean, he's at the back. And this is my family. Uh, I've been married for 41 years. Sometimes people say, 41 years? Yeah, I got married when I was 14. But that's my uh, children, my grandchildren. The guy on the right there is my son-in-law. He's married to my daughter, who is next to me. And uh, they're on staff, serve us uh, in the ministry on team, and we're grateful to God for a family that loves the Lord and serves the purposes of God. And um, I'm just so glad to be with you this morning, and I've been praying about what to share and what to bring. I've been preaching a series on uh, the, the future, how to shape your future. And I did a message two weeks ago called The Law of Expectation. But I'm not going to preach that this morning. I'm going to speak on something else. But uh, what I want you to do is put your hand on your neighbor, and we're going to pray and believe God this morning as we go to the Word. Are you ready to receive? Father, thank you for every person in this building. Thank you for every open heart, every hungry life. People could be in bed this morning. They could be out shopping, doing something else, but they've come to receive your word. Pray that you'd give me unction to speak, clarity to communicate, that there'd be wisdom, insight, and understanding, and that people would receive benefit. They'd leave this building saying, I know what to do. I know what to be. And just speak in a way that only you can speak. And may Jesus be honored and glorified in everything I say. In Jesus' name I ask, amen and amen. Now you can get the outline for the message today online. And uh, there will be a, a code on the screen. You can download it to your iPhone. And if you don't have an iPhone like Jesus has, then you can download it to your Samsung or your iPad or whatever. And you can follow the message. And most of the message will come up 
on screen. But I feel this can help the church, and I want to come today and build in to the life of the church. Have you ever noticed that when you look at any major city in the world, there are geographical divisions in just about every city of the world. And what I mean by that is if you look at a city, you'll see it's often divided by a river. Have you noticed that? Key cities in the world like Paris, uh, in, in Germany, in South Africa, there's a river dividing the city. There are often mountains. There are geographical things that separate one part of the city from another part of the city. And what they do in order to bring those parts of the city together is they build bridges. Now, bridges are very expensive Bridges take time to build. Bridges are very beautiful things when they've been constructed. When I traveled to Florence, the Ponte Vecchio Bridge in Florence, very beautiful bridge. All the merchants used to work and live on that bridge. They don't do it any longer. And they would bring people together. Bridges bring people together for trade, for prosperity, for relationship, and they cure isolation. Uh, when I traveled to Venice, I went on to the Rialto Bridge, very famous bridge, all the, all the people selling things on there, and everyone who goes there takes pictures of that bridge. And bridges are landmarks, bridges stand out, bridges bring people together, and they bring prosperity. Now, how many of you know Jesus was the bridge? God sent him as the bridge. He bridged a chasm, isn't that true? He bridged a sin divide, and he reached out to cure isolation, to bring prosperity, to bring relationship, and to bring healing, and to bring us to God. And when Jesus came to the earth, he, the bridge, built a bridge to a man on the other side of the lake. You all know the story? And I'm going to look at that story this morning and unpack some important things. And I want to speak to you on the subject of relationship bridge building. Relationship bridge building. Did you know the only thing you can take to heaven with you is people? You ever thought about that? People are the only thing that are eternal. And I want you to think about this this morning. Every problem in the world is a problem of relationship. Do you agree? Every problem in the world is a problem of relationship. Even hunger, poverty, they are all relationship problems. Now, here's the key. The church needs to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And you've got to ask yourself this morning, am I part of the solution or part of the problem? And am I building bridges to people around me? Because that's what Jesus' mandate on us is, is to build bridges. Let us read from Luke chapter 8 and verse 22. And it'll come up on the screen. It says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. How many of you know there's always an other side? There's another side of a room. There's another side of the foyer. There's another side of the city. There's another side of the country. There's another side of the world. And we need to keep going to the other side. So they got into a boat and they set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. Now notice this, a squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great Danger. Now, if you backtrack just a little, you'll realize that Jesus is on his way to reach out to a man, to build a bridge with him, to, to reach out and touch his life. But whenever you want to build bridges, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be swamped with your own responsibilities, your own needs, your own finances, your own family issues. Yeah, but I don't have time. You need to press through that because our mandate is to be bridge builders in this world. The scripture says the disciples, verse 24, went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters, and the storm subsided, and all was calm. Where's your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, 
and they obey him. I love that because he can do that today. He can calm the winds and the water in your life. And he can still the storm that's raging in your situation. Now they sail to the region of the Gerasenes or the Gadarenes, the NIV and King James tell it differently, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. Just picture this. This guy's a raving lunatic. He doesn't have on a Gianni Versace suit. He does not have on diesel cologne. He's not got the latest Rolex watch. He's a lunatic. I mean, you know, people like that are hard to relate to. And it's not easy to build bridges to people like that. And the scripture says, for a long time, this man had not worn clothes. He must have been repulsive and not lived in a house. So he had no manners. Have you met people like when you talk to them, they're busy like, and you're like, praise the Lord, brother. In other words, you're my brother, but you're my distant brother. This guy must have been difficult to relate to. And I've met people like that. You know, I want to thank God that people persevered with me when I first came to church. Because I was weird. I had long hair right down to here. I was very quiet. I'd go stand in the corner and my wife would mix with everybody when we got saved. Because I was involved in Eastern religion, Hare Krishna movement. I used to smoke dope, traffic. We used to send grass cakes. You know grass is not the kind you eat, the, the, the kind you smoke. We used to send those cakes to London and they'd send Alice D back. So when I became a Christian, I had some issues. And people would kind of see me then like, Hi. Some of them would come and say, are you saved? Others would say, have you read 1 Corinthians 11 about long hair in the Bible? But I thank God that one man came, built a bridge to me, spent time with me, explained so much to me. I believe I'm in the ministry today because he built a bridge. And we mustn't be put off by people. Our mandate is to be bridge builders. Am I making sense this morning? Now, when you get through the text, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top. Of his voice. How I many you know this guy's not good to have in company? What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. You know what I've discovered? I've discovered that some people, when you go up to them and shake hands with them and try and introduce yourself to them and try and build a bridge to them, they have this attitude. They don't say it, but they've got this attitude what do you want? I've even discovered that as a man my age in a foyer in our church. You go up to a woman, hi, how are you? And they're like, Whoa. On the inside, they're like, ha! <laughs> because some people are hard to relate to, they feel, what do you want from me? You, I've had people in my life that hurt me. And we understand that, but Jesus wasn't put up by the response. Let's read on verse 29. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under God, he had broken the chains. And watch this. He had been driven by the demon into solitary places. That's a very key phrase. Jesus asked him, I love this dialogue here. What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged him repeatedly not to order them into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into them, and he gave them permission. It seems like he, he wasn't uh, rude. He, was, he understood even a relationship with the devil. Are you seeing this? God created the devil. The devil was the one who used to take worship to God. And then he said sort of, he wanted it for himself. So Jesus knew this, knew him, 
There was a, there was, notice there's courtesy here. Interesting thing. I'm not suggesting you get up in the morning and say, good morning, devil, how are you? No, I don't mean that. <laughs> now watch. It says, when the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. You need to remember that the next time you have bacon. <laughs> then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear, so he got into the boat and left. Some people are so threatened by relationships that they would rather tell you to go away. I want to give you four truths quickly about uh, relationship building this morning, important truths. Then I can give you some hindrances, then I hope to give you some keys on how to build relationships. Do you think that'll help you this morning? Are you all good? Number one, here's, here's a very important truth. Did you know that Satan's goal is isolation? Satan's goal is isolation. That's what he did with Eve. He got her alone, and then he seduced her, tempted her. And the devil's goal is to always get people on their own, because when he can divide, he can conquer. In unity, Psalm 133 says, there is strength. When in Genesis 11, they were building the Tower of Babel in unity, when people were together, bridge building, they could do great things for God. But the enemy likes to get you on your side. A coal taken out of the fire dies. Isn't that true? And isolation is a dangerous thing. And I've seen this with young people. When they're teenagers, the enemy starts to work on them. And most households, you'll find teenagers in most households, on the door is a sign that says, no entry, keep out. It's always locked. The mom and dad have to come, excuse me. I'm like, you go in there and you break that isolation down. Because, because, hear me this morning, I'm a parent. I've got, my oldest son is 40 years old. I've got grandchildren. We tolerate this stuff and the enemy uses it. And guess what happens? We go down a road here where people start with isolation. Then they start listening to all that rap music with all those F words in it. And they ain't fellowship and friendship. <laughs> and then there's cutting. Isn't that true? And weird clothing and piercings and all sorts of stuff. I'm not against that. If you've got piercings, that's cool. You're just going to get to heaven holy. But this man went down a road of isolation. Look what it did to him. And the devil's goal is always to isolate us, get us on our own, get us destroyed. And I reckon that if you look at your life today, if you're successful today in business or in ministry or in any field, you have to attribute it to people. No person can be successful in isolation. And so the devil's goal is isolation. Number two, the second thing is isolation is dangerous and it prevents personal growth. And so the enemy wants to restrict us, isolate us. He wants to prevent personal growth in the life of every person. People say often when you meet them, leave me alone. I'm happy like this. Even in churches, people like to go and sit in the furthest seats. I know in large buildings, church buildings, Christians even come and try and find a spot away from everyone else. Because we build into ourselves, well, I don't really need them. And we're kind of like, I'm better off alone. But actually, you never grow when you live in isolation. And I know we all get hurt in relationships, but I want to tell you something. When you spend time in isolation or alone, and you haven't got bridges built to other people, it breeds insanity. Andreas Breivik in Norway, he spent time on his own reading the Bible, and look what he did to people. It makes you a nutter. And isolation is what they do when you're in a mental hospital. They put you in, in, in isolation. Isn't that true? And they put a straitjacket on you. It's supposed to heal you. And it drives you off your head. That's why in a prison, they put you in solitary confinement. How can the one heal and the other one punish? The enemy is very clever with this, and we need to understand it. Number three, we shouldn't only build bridges for personal gain. A lot of us live in a world where 
And, and, and I don't know what it's like here, but I know in South Africa we have these marketing companies that you sell products and then you get two people onto the next level and then three people onto the next level. Do you have that here? And people come to church and they're all very friendly. Hi. And you, then you find out, oh, they work for that company that starts with an A or a B, whatever. And they want to build bridges. Why? Because they want to connect. Because they want to sale. We mustn't build for personal gain. Jesus had nothing to gain from going over to this place. He built it purely because he realized he needed to reach out and he was setting an example for his disciples. We, I don't know, you, you meet people sometimes and you can see, they, they kind of shake your hand and, and they're like looking past you and you're thinking, and then they realize, ah, my sister's there. So it's like, hi, how are you? It's like a motive. We should build bridges just because to reach out to people. Am I making sense? And um, we've got to be careful we don't take on the spirit of the world. Look what it says here in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 2 in the message. It says, as the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck up. Let's make sure it's not us. We need to be outgoing, open, no agenda, reaching and building bridges like Jesus, our bridge. Can you say amen? And then number four, here's the fourth truth. The fourth truth about bridge building is this. Bridges are beautiful things. Very beautiful things. If you look across the world, there are bridges all across the world. I've walked on many of them, traveled across them in a vehicle. And uh, some bridges are absolutely amazing. They are landmarks. And when you build relationship bridges, they're very beautiful things. I I was just thinking last night we spent time in the restaurant, just building a bridge. It It was a beautiful thing. This connection that we have after one night of chatting uh, with Pastor Eben and, and, and Che. It, bridges are very beautiful things. And the beautiful bridges in the world. I'm sure you all know the San Francisco Bridge. Beautiful bridge, isn't it? And uh, the London Tower Bridge, or the Tower Bridge in London. Beautiful bridge. Bridges all across the world that are amazing. Bridges are beautiful things. And Jesus did a beautiful thing when he went across the lake and reached that man. Do you realize that? And that's what we've been called to do. We've been called to cross the room, cross the city, cross the world to build bridges. Now, let me give you some obstacles to bridge building. Is this helping you today? Obstacles to bridge building. So we can identify what, why we struggle in this area. Firstly, I think a lot of the time there's a sort of subtle pride, even a, a, a arrogance and a selfishness that exists in all of us. Even when we're born again, we tend to kind of keep to ourselves and our own kind. And a lot of Christians have come out of a bad background, so they're like upwardly mobile and there's kind of like a, yeah, well, you know, they're, they're great, praise the Lord, they're Christians. But I think we need to start reaching out to people that are not just our own kind. I'm not saying build friendships with them. I'm talking about building bridges. Do you understand the difference? You've got to be careful who your closest friends are. You've got to be careful who you allow in your home. But we ought to be building bridges to everybody. And sometimes it can be kind of superiority and kind of look down on other people. Our church over the last 20 years, we started with a handful of 40 people. And they were all white. And you know what they told me? This is a white area. You know, you, you know what I mean? <laughs> you mustn't say that to me. Because I love people. I love all races. And our church now is completely multiracial, multicultural. My family is as well. But it doesn't happen by accident. It has to be by design, intentional. You know what I did? Every time we put a big sign up outside our church, we've got a massive billboard right on the corner of our road, I would use African-American people in there. Then when I saw African-American people coming, I was like, cool, that's working. Then I started putting Indian people on there. 
I started sending a signal, you are welcome here. That was, that was me intentionally building a bridge. And today people come to us because they want to see how it's done because we've successfully built a multiracial church in Johannesburg and in Durban. Durban has the biggest Indian community outside of India. So our church is 80% Indian. And you know what? White people come and they're like, mm, we don't feel happy here. What do you mean you don't feel happy here? Talk to me. You mean you're like colonial? You mean you're like there are too many dark... No, no, we don't. I hit it head on. Because we're called to bridge build. This church should be filled with white people. Because it's not about color. It's about the ministry. It's about the, it's about the wisdom that lives in the man and woman of God. And we need to actively build bridges to every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. Can you say amen? And if you don't like it, I'll be leaving after this morning. <laughs> but here's the thing, you know, we would never say to someone, I don't like you, or I don't need you. But on the inside, we feel it. Look what scripture says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 21. It says, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. It never does, but it gives it off. Isn't that true? And some of the parts that seem weakest and least important are really the most necessary. And so we've got to reach out to people. And here's the thing. You might want to write this down somewhere. God always leaves need to foster relationships. We don't want to have a need. My every need is met. No, be careful. There's power in need. Because when there's a need, then there's a relationship. If I'm able-bodied, strong, I can walk up this passage. I don't need you. I don't even need to look at you. I can just walk up that passage, walk out the door, get in my car, turn my key, press the accelerator, and I can drive home. But if I've got a sore leg, guess what changes? Suddenly I'm looking. Hi. Could, could you? Guess what? A relationship foster. The next time I come to church, bump into the person who I leaned on. Hi. Hi. Need builds relationships. And when we've got no need, we become arrogant. And I want to encourage you, break selfishness in your life. Nelson Mandela, who you all know, he said this in 1994 when he made his inauguration speech. And what a great man he was. The time for healing of the wounds has come. The moment to bridge the chasms that divided us has come. Isn't that significant wording? The time to build is upon us. Let's break that pride, that selfishness, and... Um, be a generous person. Reach out to people. Buy them a coffee. Do something. You know what? Smile. I know some people are stingy with their smile. Hi. They always give you like, what are you looking at? Like you say in America, do I know you? We need a love and number two. Are you being helped in some way? Low self-esteem is an obstacle to bridge building and to relationship building. And sometimes we can feel less than other people. We can feel that everyone around us is better than us. Who am I to go up to them and say, hi, did you see their car in the car park? I arrived in my rusty Toyota. He pulled up in his Merc. <laughs> so, we, so we avoid people because we feel inferior. That was Israel's problem. They felt that when they went into God's promise for them, into their inheritance, what kept them out of it? their low self-esteem, and they saw the giants, and they couldn't relate to them, and they felt inferior, and sometimes you come from a background where you don't have, you, you didn't come from a good home, you didn't have a good education, you don't have money, 
But we shouldn't allow self, low self-esteem to keep us from building bridges with other people. Numbers 13, it says this about the Israelites as they went into the land. And, and it, so the majority report of the spies was negative. The land is full of warriors. The people are powerfully built. You should check their abs. They go to gym, man. <laughs> Have you ever met people? They're like all worked up and they've got the right clothes and you're like all, you like, you feel you can't relate. No, go up to them and say, man, what a build. What a body. And I'm not gay or anything, just like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> you must work out, and you build a bridge by taking an interest instead of feeling inferior. Come on. And I'm not preaching black, but I think it's helping you. Now watch what it says. It says the people of Pathville, we saw the Anakim there, descendants of the ancient race of giants. We felt like grasshoppers before them. They were so tall. You know what I've learned to do because I come from a sort of a strange background, upbringing, drugs and so on. I used to find that when you walked into a room, you could feel like everyone was looking at you. Anyone feel like that? Can feel intimidated? No, no, when you walk into a room, don't go, there they are. Here I am. You need to walk into a room and go, hi. And see people instead of focusing on yourself. You know, when I was a young person, one of my biggest dreads was when my wife used to say to me, let's go to a restaurant. I'd be like, oh no. Because you walk in and it's like everybody looks at you. Now when I walk into a restaurant, I'm like, like I'm in the place. Hi. Anyone looks at me? And you'd be amazed how it disarms people. But when you make yourself the focus through low self-esteem, whenever you walk into a room, don't say, here I am. Say, there you are. Number three, your third hindrance is we're too aware of the dangers. There are a lot of dangers in relationships. People are dangerous. And sometimes we, we can feel, oh, no, man, this is not worth it. And this person looks like a homeless person. And that person looks like they're weird. And, and, I, and my mother warned me. And we judge people by face and race. We don't admit it. You know, when I was growing up, my mother used to say to me, my boy, who's that, who's that boy that's playing with you? And I'd be like, no, he lives across the road. You must watch out for him. I'd say, why? You don't even know him. He's got thin lips. <laughs> People with thin lips, you can't trust them. And you've got to be careful you don't grow up with prejudices where every relationship is like a threat and a danger. That's what happened here. But Jesus looked past all that and he built a bridge. You know, when they built the Sydney Harbour Bridge, which is a... Amazing bridge. Um, let me backtrack a bit. When they arrived in Sydney and discovered the harbor, a man called Captain Phillips, he said, you know what, this has got to be one of the best places in the world. You could, you could put a thousand ships here and, in, at, at, at anchor. Uh, this is an amazing place. And, and, and everyone just said it was awesome. Then it came time to build the bridge. Guess what? They brought up all the challenges. Nearly 70 feet deep, 1,600 feet across. But guess what? They built the bridge. And today that bridge is a landmark. Everybody knows the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Because you've got to look past the danger. Isn't that true? And you've got to keep going. And we've got to be careful of marking people in church. Man, I find that there's so many dangers. So, so you see a girl talking to a guy. And your tendency is, w- when she walks away from him, watch out for that guy. Why? I'm not saying. Just be careful. And we mark people. But you know what I've discovered after pastoring for 30 years? God has put a lot of strange people in the church. 
and they meet each other and they're there for each other. And I've done weddings and I'm like, wow, they met them and they married. Wow. Am I making sense? And so we mustn't mark people because when we do that, we create a prejudice and we prevent bridges from being built. And it's so easy to do that. You know, years ago when the railroad used to have uh, steam engines, you'd get to bridges and there'd be a sign, big sign at the beginning of the bridge. Interesting thing. And it would say, shut your ash pan. And what that would mean is if you had a steam engine, you'd need to shut the fire, the ash pan. Because as you went over these wooden bridges, these huge ones, the Neskahoning in Pennsylvania, there's this wooden bridge, all the ash and the vortex of the, of the movement of the train, all that ash would come out and would settle onto the beams of the bridge. And as the train left, guess what? The bridge would burn down. So basically what they're saying is before you cross this bridge, shut your ash pan. Turn to your neighbor and tell them. <laughs> tell them now. Shut you. Some husbands and wives have been wanting to do that for the whole week. We mustn't mark people and we mustn't be afraid of the dangers. We must see every relationship as an opportunity. Number four, the fourth thing here is we tend to build by feel, not by principle. When it comes to relationships, a lot of people build by feel. Oh, I met them and I didn't click with them. Well, not every relationship is built like that. There are many people in my church I don't click with. I don't relate to. They have different personality types to me, different backgrounds to me. But I'll build a bridge to them because that's the mandate on the church. And if you build a bridge, a natural bridge, by feel, it will fall down. You build it on engineering principles. Isn't that true? The soil's got to be a certain, the concrete's got to be a certain way. And you build it by engineering principles. We've got to build the kingdom of God and relationships by the principles of the word, kindness, love, forgiveness, unconditional love, not by feel. There's a bridge in Tacoma that they built by feel. They abandoned all engineering principles and they built it by field. It was amazing looking, but it only lasted for four months. Became known as Galloping Gertie. And a 40 mile an hour wind blew it down. Why? Because it was built by field. Number five, the first obstacle is this, quickly. Is the first obstacle is the cost. People are put off building bridges because it costs you. It costs you emotionally, it costs you time, it costs you money, it costs you energy. And there are many bridges across the world that I've seen that have been abandoned because it cost too much. In the 1980s, they wanted to build a bridge from Moscow uh, to the Moscow Olympics from Poland, and uh, the bridge was started, but then they found the cost was too much, and for 34 years, it's been standing half completed. All around the world, there are bridges that are incomplete because of the cost, and we need to be willing to pay the cost. There's a cost. Do you know when I walked into this church this morning, there was a cost to me. I'm a stranger here. I've never been here before. I don't know this building. I don't know the color of your carpets. I don't know where the passage goes to. I'm at the mercy of following someone. But you have to, you have to pay the price to try and engage. Say, hi, hi. person looks at you. He's greeting me. He's the guest speaker. Guest speakers don't talk to us, plebs. We're just like, I will pay the price. Why? Because bridge building is better than the alternative. Isolation. And we need to pay the cost. Number six. Here's the sixth thing about bridge building, obstacles to bridge building. And I'm sure you can relate to this. We expect the church to build them for us. 
How many of you, look, I've been in church all my life, so people come to me and they say to me, we don't have a daytime ladies meeting, you know. We only meet at night because our church meets at night, sisters meeting, we have a thousand women meeting, sisters ministry is powerful, we have a double women's conference every year, and we need a daytime meeting so my wife will figure out a way to fit us into our busy schedule with all the thousands of people we've got, and then she'll host it, and guess what? The people that ask for it don't come. So this is my theory. They want us to build a bridge, but they don't pay the toll. Wait, then there's the singles one. Now, brother, we're 50-something, and we're not meeting people, and we're thinking of going to the church down the road, you know, because the market's not very big. So we open a 50s meeting, over 50s, for singles. That meeting is awkward, because everyone comes to that meeting, and this is what they do. They are measuring and examining potential. How many of you know you don't want to go to some meeting that's been created where you know? Come on now. And we want, the church often is expected to create these things, but I, here's a truth. You might want to write it down. The church's primary role is to build bridges to the lost and needy, not to other Christians. You say, well, what about fellowship? Give me a moment, give me a moment. Don't get upset. I think there are three ways we build relationships in church. Number one, this is the key way you build bridges. And if you do this, you'll be happy through serving and volunteering. Because there's no better way to build relationships than around purpose. The worst thing you can do in a marriage is to have no purpose in your marriage. Your marriage is doomed. You can have a house, cars, jacuzzi, pool, everything. If there is no purpose, the, marriage, the relationship will break down because every relationship needs a purpose. And the minute people have a purpose, they're volunteering, they're carrying speakers, they're putting out pulpits, they're sitting up, they're putting tape on the ground, mic stands are going up. When you're working, guess what? Suddenly you start relating to someone who maybe is 10 years older than you, twice as big as you, comes from a poorer part of town than you, but purpose unites you. Number two, now this is controversial and I'm a visitor and I'm not connect groups. We've got connect groups, but you know what happens? People are busy. So you end up getting home from work, you're exhausted, ladies can relate to this, you change your shoes, you put on some lipstick, you get your hair all done, get in the car, you drive along, you get there, you walk in, connect group, three people pitch up. Anyone relate? In our church, we had this for years. Then the three eat eat the eats that the 10 should have eaten. Now connect groups are brilliant and they do work, but they're not essentially The way the Bible talks. The third thing is the way it works. Fellowship. Fellowship. Do you know that when I got saved, we had no structure. We only had Bible study and preaching. But you know what? I've got lifelong friendships. Why? Because we fellowshiped at church. We didn't isolate ourselves. We volunteered and served, and we got alongside people in the foyer, in the seats, and we built bridges that went beyond structure. Because actually, if you think the church is going to do it for you, you're going to be unhappy if we don't get it right. And it's unfair pressure. And number seven, you're the last one. This obstacle. Has this helped anybody? This is the reason why we don't build bridges. Because what we build can be misunderstood and rejected. Ever reached out to someone and they snubbed you? Ever built a bridge to a family and then you found out they were talking about you? 
Do you know that it could be that there might be nothing wrong with you because Jesus went to that place, built a bridge. The Son of God himself was misunderstood and rejected, and there was nothing wrong with him. The issues were with the people. They asked him to leave that place. And I've determined no matter what response I get, I'm going to be like Jesus because he was never put up by the response. If someone didn't shake his hand, if someone didn't smile at him, he just kept on because his mandate was to be the bridge. I find it annoying when I go to someone and shake their hand, hi, and they give me a dead fish. You ever have that? You shake it and it's like, I grab it and I hold it. I hold it with both hands. I rub it. I'm determined to reach you and build a bridge with you. I'm determined not just to be a professional public speaker and a television personality. I want to be like Jesus who went across the lake for one man and built a bridge. I've got a few minutes and I'm going to give you nine quick bridge building tools. Let's see if we can do it in five minutes. Have you been helped this morning? You've got to get used to this white boy, but I think you can receive something this morning. Number one, here's, here's a good quick tool for bridge building. Make an effort to connect. Make an effort to connect. Sometimes when you connect with people, here's what people struggle with. We think that connecting means condoning. No, it doesn't. Let me use an extreme example, and I, I reckon I can get away with this in America. Say someone comes into church and they're a roaring, what we call a roaring queen. They're dressed up in high heels, but clearly they're a man, and they come into church. And they stand in the foyer. Guess what everyone does? Praise the Lord. But no one goes and builds a bridge. The person who goes and builds a bridge, everyone looks at them like, what are you doing? Because they think connecting means condoning. No. Connecting doesn't mean condoning. Jesus connected and didn't condone. This is what we say in our church. You can come as you are. And we welcome everybody. But make sure you understand this. You don't stay as you are. So make an effort to connect. Reach out to people. Give them compliments. Smile at them. When you're, when you're arriving in a car park and a single mother's taking her pram out, go over and help her. She gives you that look like I ain't dating. Just shrug it off. Make an effort. Number two, the second thing is give gifts. No better way to build a bridge to someone than to give them a gift. The Bible says a gift makes way for the giver. And when you give someone something, you build a bridge. You know what I encourage our church to do? Come to church with some coffee money. Even if you can only do it once a month. You may not be able to do it every week because you can't afford it. But come to church with coffee money and then find someone. Can I buy you a coffee? No, man, I've got my own money. Now let me do it. I've been waiting all week. You don't forget people like that. Don't, don't, don't expect your church's growth to come from this pulpit. It's not the only place. It's got to come from you. The body's got to be organic. Number three, don't judge by face or race. See, everybody is valuable. The book of James says that we mustn't judge by rich or poor. But people judge by face. We mustn't judge by appearances. Don't judge a book by its cover. Look deeper. You'll be astounded. We had a guy come to our church the other day, black man, very ordinary looking, and uh, my wife got chatting to him. Turns out he's a stuck billionaire. So he said to her, I came to church because I got a flat wheel, and I opened the, the trunk of the car, and there was no wheel in there. So she said, oh, what do you drive, a BMW? He says, no, Rolls Royce. Amazing how you can judge a person by face. 
Don't judge by face or by race. Number four, take an interest in someone and listen. People don't listen. They talk too much. I do that too. We talk too much. We've got to ask people questions and talk to them. Jesus asked him questions. Did you notice? What is your name? Legion. Jesus was brilliant at relating. Number five, be humble. A lot of people you meet, they start bragging. Hmm? Hi, how are you? Yeah, well, I got a degree in so and so and so and so from the University of it. And I just bought myself a new Mercedes 515. We went to a hotel. Dean and I went to traveling at this hotel, and the guy was singing on stage. Did a brilliant job. He sang, and then he sat down near us. We were eating uh, in, in, in the lounge of this restaurant. We were eating there, and he was singing, and then he sat, and we were like, man, that was brilliant. That was like our bridge. You know, we were hoping maybe we can reach him. And uh, he said, thanks, thanks very much. And then he picked up his drink. And then the next minute he looked over at us. Guess what he said? He said, have you seen my car? We're like, what? He had like a sports car, a noble. Just standing outside under the porte cochere of the hotel. His first bridge was, do you know who I really am? You know, it's better not to tell people. And later they find out. Than to tell them up front and they put off. Number six. Move on if not received. And try again. If people don't receive you and you don't build a bridge, just move on and then try again. Do you know that most bridges collapse during their construction? It's an interesting fact. Because bridges are very delicate in their early stages. And relationship bridges are exactly the same. But move on, try and connect with someone else. Even Jesus did that. When he wasn't received, he left that place and he moved on. He didn't say, hey, I've come all the way to earth. Do these people realize who I am? I mean, get a grip. Number seven, be flexible and secure. What do I mean by this? Be flexible and secure. You, you know, here's the thing. When I got saved, we built a friendship. Maybe some of you can relate to this. We built a friendship with a family in the church. And we went everywhere. They'd phone us every weekend. Are you going here? Are you going? We'd sit together in church. But as we were saved for three, five years, we started to meet other people. Now we'd come to church and we'd sit with other people. And they'd like look over and give us that look like, what are you doing? You're disloyal. And we'd be like, we need to meet other people. And then, and then there was this, this big issue developed in our lives. And we, it caused a major upheaval before we could kind of move forward. Anyone relate to this? Do you not have discovered what relationships are like? They're like the Tower Bridge of London. When a ship needs to go by, they disengage. They allow the ship to go by. Then they re-engage. And you know what we need in church? We need strong bridges, but we've got to be flexible enough to say, hey, there are other people in their world too. There'll come a time when we... Number eight, don't don't neglect regular maintenance. Bridges fall down when they're not maintained. You need to phone people, build bridges, write cards. You've got to maintain. And lastly, we must know the ultimate bridge builder if we're going to build bridges. Because when you got him on the inside of you, his spirit comes into you, and you begin to build bridges to people. And no matter how messed up people are, we build bridges across to them. And uh, I want to encourage you today as you leave the building, build a bridge to someone. Don't just build a bridge to the lost, build a bridge to the saved, build a bridge to the lost. Be a bridge builder, because every problem in the world is a problem of relationship. Either you're part of the problem, or you're part of the solution. God bless you. Amen.